from the 730 The Game studios in Uptown Charlotte. Welcome to the second Yellow Soccer Show. 730 The Game, your place for all things Charlotte. Now the host, here's Jason Bailey and Brad Barnett. Hello from ESPN 730 The Game Studios in Uptown Charlotte. And welcome to the second Yellow Soccer Show. I am Brad Barnett. That man over there is Jason Bailey. And we have a very special guest in the studio with us today. Two-time USL MVP finalist. Two-time USL Best 11. 2017 Golden Boot runner-up. That was 16 goals in 32 games. The inspiration of the top-selling Jack's Melissa shirt. And the pride of Rock Hill, South Carolina, Mr. Enzo Martinez. Enzo, thank you for joining us. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me today. Yeah. Uh, Glad to have nothing, you in. Nothing better than speaking football. <laughs> Glad to have you in. Now, uh, we are going to cover a wide variety of topics today, and uh, we'll weave in some questions that we received over Twitter throughout the discussion. But before we jump into everything, what made you want to come back to the Independence after your spell with Colorado? Yeah, I had a great time there. Um, obviously, at the end of the year, there were some options with some MLS teams and then options to go to other USL teams. But uh, Jim, um, the owner, flew over there and uh, and kind of, you know, convinced me in a way, sold me the, the idea that we've had since I've been playing in Charlotte. You know, for us, is our goal is to bring the highest level possible to the city, to create those opportunities for the, for the coming uh, – kids are playing uh, in clubs around the area and the idea for us is to get an MLS team here at some point I think that's what we all want every soccer fan in this city wants that um, James vision has been clear of wanting to do that from the beginning of the of the club and and when uh, he came over and flew to Colorado and we spoke and we sat down obviously I like Jim a lot um, I got to meet Dan the new owner uh, during one game when we had four days off and uh, with the Rapids, I flew here to watch him play uh, and also an, an awesome guy as well. So the vision of what we can create here is what sold me in coming back. Obviously, I grew up in the area. I love it here. I like the team. I feel very comfortable here. I feel good and I feel challenged as well. And uh, with all those things being said, I think it was a, for me a good, a good choice for personally. Well, I definitely want to chat more about the Colorado experience, but as a fan, I'm a little nervous. You sat out a couple preseason games. Was that precautionary? Are you 100%? Will you be suiting up on Friday? Yeah, no, absolutely. 100% I'll be in. Uh, it was uh, just some muscle issues that I was having, and uh, Coach wanted to be smart about it because if you ask me, I could have a broken leg, and I want to go out there and play. So. It was good from him uh, to kind of say, no, you're not doing it because that's a bigger picture. Uh, so it was just some little issues, and uh, but I'm good to go 100%. Speaking of the, the Colorado side, can you give just a, a brief day in the life of an MLS player? Is it much different than a day in the life of a USL player? Uh, not, not really. I mean, the mentality that you wake up with uh, is the same. Um, obviously, there are the differences of... of, of you know, their organization and, and what they do and the amount of resources they have is, is different. Uh, you know, when I, when I was there, I would wake up, take my daughter to school, drop her off. After that, I head to the stadium. And then there you have, you know, your time. You have your video with the team last year in Colorado. We did a lot of video 
which lets you see things in a different perspective. And I, I really enjoy that part of, of the team as well. Um, then from there, you start training. After training, you always have your meals. You have everything. Those are things that now in the USL are available to all of us. Uh, but, you know, it's just the, the resources. That's a, the big difference uh, between the two leagues. But I think the USL is pushing more and more to to get those things and make them for uh, a wide thing for every team in the league. During um, your time in Colorado, would it be fair to say you were used in a, a deeper center midfield role? I only saw a few of the games. Yeah. Versus how you were playing with the independents before. League. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, for me, my where I feel the most comfortable and where I feel that I can give the best to the team is either at forward or the number 10 role. That's where I played here for Charlotte. And uh, we I got to actually play the number 10 role in three games with the Rapids. I was Boca Juniors that we won, and uh, I got to score a goal that game. And then LA Galaxy, we won, and then San Jose, we won. But those are the three games that I got to play. Seems like there's a connection there with your uh – no, it's, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I just, I'm glad that when I got the opportunity to play the position that I feel comfortable that I was able to help the team, even if it's in a small way. So being uh, in Colorado for a year, uh, not playing with your brother, <laughs> how was that experience? Was it was it a welcome sight to not have to see him every day at training? Or was it a, you know, on the phone with him afterwards discussing each training session with him? Yeah, no, it was... Uh, a mixture of both. Obviously, I, I never get tired of seeing Alex. Uh, every day we push each other a lot. So that in itself helps me and helps him. And uh, obviously we get into it sometimes because we're brothers, first of all. You know, then we're teammates. And uh, with that being said, there, there's, you know, we compete in everything, everything we do in, in practices. We always want to be better than each other. And uh, it's, a, it's a healthy relationship. You know, it's, an, it's not a... Uh, a competition where it gets in the way of us being brothers. It never, it never has, and it never will. And that's the good thing is that we can compete and we could try to kill each other at one point. But when that's done, then we're brothers, and we always remember that. Uh, after a lot of practices, after a lot of games, I would call him and talk to him, just like he would do the same thing about the independence. So we're it's a good mixture. But I'm glad to be back here playing with them again. I would say that that means that you followed Indy from uh, very closely from afar. Yeah, no, absolutely. Every game that I could actually watch that I had the time and it didn't interfere with ours, I would watch it. And so with Colorado, you did play that 10 role a few games, but the other ones when you were playing a little bit deeper. Is that a position you played growing up at all or at UNC? Or did you always play a little bit further forward? No, so when I grew up here uh, in Rock Hill, I've always played forward always played forward uh when i went to college they kind of dropped me a little bit to the midfielder uh just because we're players that were good on the ball as well you know usually you get your forward that just scores goals and you know when you go to a big college especially at unc being a freshman i got dropped a little bit deeper to the to the midfield but coaches could see as well that um i was a threat around the goal so you know that's kind of how that position of me number 10 it took me a long time to figure out all right this is where I I fit best it took me a lot of years uh at the high level to figure that out but uh, I feel like the last three years is where I truly kind of grew into that position and I say 
if you ask me any position to play, that's the role I want to play. So during the preseason, uh, it seems like they've kind of shifted you a little bit. Where do you see yourself actually fitting into Coach McGinnis' his, his lineup starting on Friday? Yeah, obviously, I think uh, we the style we play, um, I can fit anywhere from the midfielder and up. Um, my thing is I want to be as close as possible to the goal. Uh, that's where I feel comfortable, and that's where I feel personally I can help the team the most. Um, the rest are decisions made by the staff and the coaches. So um, whatever is going to be asked of me, I'm going to do everything I can because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is winning the game. Yeah, for uh, you know, Independence fans that have been watching for the last four years under Coach Jeffries, it seems like there's going to be a departure from exactly how we played and you know a, a shift. So for fans that are coming this Friday or watching on TV, what are some things that we should be looking for that uh, will be a difference in the style of play? Yeah, I think a huge thing that we've been working on and that we were talking about is uh, one is to watch the reactions uh, of all the players once we don't have the ball. Once we lose the ball, those first five seconds are very crucial in, in any game because the, the team is not organized. The other team is uh, just won the ball back. So if you w get to win the ball in those first five, ten seconds, then you're in such a, a better position to attack. You get a hold of that ball, and then I think we want to play a style that's very attacking. You know, Charles always been known for keeping the ball and moving it from block to block, you know, in between the lines, little by little. Um, I think we are we're have a mindset now that is very direct and attacking and getting to the goal and creating as many chances as possible and kind of over time reacting to not having the ball and attacking them to wear those teams down over and over again and ask questions of them. Are they ready to compete? Are they ready to do the job that is required to, to win games? Give us a little bit of a... Uh just uh, the differences between Coach Jeffries and Coach McGinnis. I mean, obviously, the style, the formations are going to be different. Uh, what other what other aspects can we see difference in play between the two? Yeah, I think with Mike, Mike had a, you know, he set the team up and he had the idea of how to keep the ball, how to attack. Uh, but he also gave players a lot of, of freedom to express themselves. Um, Jim is the same way, but he has a style. He wants the game to be played a certain way and uh it's our job to follow that style um and to try to get the result according to to that style that he wants and if we're able to do that uh and put his vision into it i feel like we we can play a very entertaining game where it's a lot of attacking and a lot of chances and hopefully lots of goals as well and it seems like um i was able to watch about a game and a half of the preseason um under Coach Jeffries, there were the wide attackers where Alex, your brother, played, where he was able to kind of tuck inside and help with possession and progressing the ball. That role seems to have changed quite dramatically. So knowing your brother well and knowing that you can kind of uh, be harsh on him, is this new role going to suit him well or is he going to struggle a little bit adapting, playing that, you know, starting out centrally and, and staying there? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, at the beginning he was kind of playing in the middle he was doing well. Alex can adapt to any situation because he's a smart player. Um, but having him a little bit higher, too, off the field lately, has uh, he's been playing awesome. He's been playing some of the best I've ever seen him play. So 
hopefully he can take that same energy and that same style into the, the game. And I think if he does that, uh, you're going to see a totally different Alex than you than you have ever seen. Uh, the previously is him providing. He's a guy that kind of understands how to get the ball from this side to the other side. And that's why he would come a lot inside to break teams down. Um, so now it's just a matter of him, if he's being able to put what he's done this past two weeks, this past week, and training into the game Friday. You're way too nice on your brother. I mean, you could be a little <laughs> I bit. Thought, thought the same thing when I heard it. <laughs> yeah, so it, it seems like you might start in that center midfield role or even up top. Um, if you are starting in that cin- center midfield role as, uh, you know, from the from the get-go, you know, what can we look from you to uh, to provide from there? Are you looking to, you know, let Alex be the one who builds up play and you get closer to the box and kind of finish it? Or are you trying to start a little bit deeper and, you know, basically dictate the tempo? Yeah, to be honest, I think I'm going to be closer to the goal. Um, but if, if I was to play in that midfield role, it's uh, it's it, it, it all depends on what the game is being asked of me at that time. You know, I think I'm a player that doesn't like to say, this is exactly what I'm going to do every single game. And I feel like the things that have made me successful are the fact that uh, to be able to read the game and see what the game is asking at that moment. Uh, and that's especially the role of a number 10. A number 10 is uh, the provider, and if you can score goals, it's a plus. But the number 10 is supposed to read the game and, and what the opposition is doing and how to break that down. And if any time I'm in the middle, that's my min- my mentality. If we're struggling to get the ball from the back four to the forwards, then I'm going to be deeper. I'm going to try to get the ball deeper so I can make that connection. If we see that we're having success and that dropping, uh, if I'm dropping in doesn't make a difference, then my next thought is how can I find the ball between the midfielders and the, the defender, that line in between them so I can turn and provide to the forwards. Uh, and um, it will all be dependent on, on what um, the team will give us Friday. So just out of curiosity, do you still keep up with Troy? Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I love Troy. I have so much respect for him and his mentality of the game and his style. And uh, he's, he, he was a huge part of our success in Charlotte. And I, and I hope I see, I see him at the end of the season in that final. Now, he's obviously a, a great coach, um, finally got his chance as a head coach. Were you surprised that it took him as long as it did to actually get that chance? Yeah, absolutely. I, there's those things that you kind of scratch your head over and don't understand why. Um, his mentality, you saw what he's been able to do with a brand-new team. You know, when you have a brand-new team in the MLS, you have an owner that will put in two, $200 million into the program, so you can buy – best players if you want um atlanta united we're looking at you yeah you know Mm -hmm. uh there you go that's a great example they did it right they've done everything right uh and the usl is a little bit different because you have to work with budgets um and things like that but i think he's he's from the players that he brought uh good players good players that uh are gonna fit his system and his style a lot According to Jason's Twitter account, they need to really kind of work on the camera angles. Yeah, huh? that, that was, <laughs> I that thought was the same thing when I watched the game. <laughs> terrible. I, um, just speaking of that, and this, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but uh, did Troy happen to reach out to you after the season to try to get you to come to New Mexico? Obviously, I think I probably, <laughs> I think I reached out to him as well. Uh, more off, you know, I, I, I told Troy that one day 
before I hang my boots, I would love to play for him because I think that his mentality and, and his style of play uh, is something that if I ever coach, I kind of will like to to put out as my team as well. Well, before we touch on, you know, hanging up your boots, we did get a listener question saying, uh, you know, do you see yourself playing into your uh, year 38, like another uh, legend of the you know, Charlotte soccer scene? But before also has his own shirt. Jorge also has his own shirt. That's right. Um, but more than that, what I wanted to talk about Jorge with is this system under McGinnis. Um, where do you see Jorge kind of fitting in? How does the, how does he fit within the system, and how do the other teammates bring out the best in him? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I was so far. Jorge has been so sharp in training and in games. Uh, if you look back when the it was the Charlotte Eagles and he was I think the leader score and the leading scorer either of the team or the league he was playing as a wide player in the four three three he was one of those wide players and then he's also in training he's been we rotate we have players that can play any of those positions so I see I see him having a big impact if we get the system right if we play. Um, the style that the coach wants and if we do the things that he's asking because like I mentioned earlier it's going to be a lot of attacking a lot of opportunities and he's really good player inside the box and we need a player like that um, if that's the system that we want to play all right so the listener question is can you see yourself playing when you're 38 years old professionally or at that point do you think you'll be moving on to the next stage of your career? Yeah, um, you know, that's that's something that I'm 28 right now uh, and that's something that I ask myself uh, a lot. And I've always told myself I will play until there's a team that says no to me. So and no matter where it is, I, I love this game. I've dedicated this game my whole life. Uh, I don't know anything else and um, – I would love to play until I'm 38 if my legs uh, allow me to. Just uh, another listener question is, what is your favorite way to celebrate a win? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, for me, it, it depends. Uh, I love when, when I finish a game to go back home with my wife and my daughter and relax and maybe watch a little movie, you know, uh, or – spend the the rest of the night with with my teammates if it's if it's one of those big wins where everyone wants to celebrate feels good about so either of those i'll take any day what about a loss ah just leave me alone (laughs) and let me go cry in my room for a little bit (laughs) if you had to predict um do you think you'll have more assists or more goals this season Wow, that's a really good question. I hope to have more goals, um, but I think it'll be more even this year than it has been in the past because if I'm being asked to provide, then I'm going to do that um, because at the end of the day, it's it's about winning. I just want to win. I want to win. I want Charlotte to finally host a playoff game and for the people to see those those type of games and those what it means and what it is. All right, I want you to put a little bit of a pressure on uh – a newcomer to the team. Who do you think, um, new to the team, this Friday will have kind of a standout performance? Yeah, I think what I would love for is the center backs because anytime those center backs have a good game, then that means uh, that we're not going to get scored on. Uh, but, I mean, we have 
Dominic Adura, I feel like he's going to be a threat for any team. He's a guy with a lot of experience, uh, good footballer. So I think he's going to be someone to watch on Friday, and hopefully he provides a lot of happiness to, to the fans. Now, McPhillamy said that uh, this team, the 2019 team, is better than the 2015 team. And in fact, I have a quote here from Jason that said, would smoke the 2015 team. You agree? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, that's what you want, right? You want your organization to keep building and getting better. And uh, we had really good players, really good players in that team um, and players that could play right now and players that are still playing in different teams. But I think the the organization and the style is set now and the idea is there and the players that come in are supposed to fit the style. So you can't be having four or five years of experience already with a first team, uh, first team, first year team. So another another uh, question you'll probably know where this one came from. It's uh, at Independence asked if you had the best beard on the team. <laughs> we hit the hard hitting questions here, Enzo. <laughs> uh, those really put me in the spot, huh? <laughs> uh, I think I don't know. I I'll say I hope so. Um, I don't think many players have beers in our team. I think it's just Brandon. Me, and that's about it. So it's between you and Brandon, and you're yeah, saying you're so number one? I think so. I think so. Fair he's, enough. He's just messy. So, like you said, not <laughs> a lot of players. He said this is messy. <laughs> well, like you said, not a lot of players on the team have beers, but also not a lot of players on the roster that have been announced anyway. Um, Jim McGinnis has mentioned that they've had some issues with, you know, player visas and just kind of getting paperwork settled in. Um, coming this Friday, will we have 18 full players on the roster? To be honest with you, I'm not sure, um, but I can tell you that whoever we have there understands what the coach wants, and that's that's a big thing because when you have a huge roster of 26, 27 players, you got to understand that at the highest level, there's a lot of personalities, a lot of different ideas, and when you have so many players and not many are getting playing time, then you have a clear idea of what you want. And those players that aren't playing, that have different ideas, can start attracting more and more of that negative energy or that I, let's not do what he wants, let's do it our way. Uh, so I, I honestly couldn't tell you why we have a, a lower amount of players. Obviously, the visa issue, issues are massive, and it's, we run into a lot of those. But if I could guess, is it would be that, that the lower you have, the easier it is to establish what you want your team to do well and, and coach McGinnis is on record as saying he he actually prefers a smaller squad how does that change though the training situation if you don't have you know 22 and you can't go 11 v 11 during you know a full week between matches and get that 11 v 11 training in does it make a big difference or not really yeah no I think you're dead on it it, it, it makes a big difference because if you want to do 11 versus 11 you really can't uh, we have guys that come in and train and, and you know, aren't signed but maybe want to be signed. Uh, but the the good thing is that we kind of – our trainings have been built in blocks, meaning we want to work in this certain situation. And it's not necessary to have 11 players. Uh, you know, if you want to work on how to the front three pressure, you don't need 11 players. Uh, and we'll play games 7v7 or 8 
where you have your back four, maybe one midfielder, and then you have your front three and see how they press. So it's a lot of, uh, of adjusting to that, um, and it does make a difference. But at the end of the day, it creates this environment in training that everyone has a chance to play, and it's very competitive. And you know that if you're in the 18, 19 players that he signed, that you got to be ready for anything. And he doesn't give those players that haven't played in two months a rest because that's not going to happen in this situation. So North Carolina FC this past weekend for their home opener did not have a backup goalkeeper. Their goalkeeper coach was actually sitting on the bench dressing ready to go. Are we going to have that situation? Is Dave Dixon about to throw on some gloves and <laughs> be an unofficial backup goalie? Or I, I have not seen uh, that in practice yet, so I don't think so. Uh, we have a, a young guy um, right now that I think he's been around with us. He's doing very well. Um, so maybe him, um, but I couldn't tell you, honestly, I didn't even know Dave was a goalkeeper in his days. I don't think he was. I don't I'm just throwing out a name. Oh, no, well, so I, you've got more than one goalie in training, which is nice to hear. Right, right, right. That is nice. <laughs> uh, just a, a couple more uh, just listener questions just to kind of uh, keep the conversation uh, light. What is something about life as a professional athlete that most people wouldn't know and wouldn't understand? Yeah, the, the the lifestyle is great, you know. You get up and you go to work and you come back at 2 a lot of the times, you know, and you have the rest of the day off. But what a lot of people won't understand is that, you know, we do get the season off, but then you have to do workouts and you have to keep yourself healthy. But for us, it's six days a week, you know. And when you travel, it's not even that. Um, you know, we get one day off and – most of those days off is maybe on a Monday when no one is doing anything and it's that first day of the week where, you know, it's not really a happy day. So, um, you know, we have to sacrifice every Friday. You can't, you might finish work. Most people want to have a beer with their friends, you know, and get together, have a nice dinner or something like that. We can't. That's one of the most important days for an athlete is that Friday. It's the day before the game and what you do. And Saturday, obviously, um, this game day. Sunday you're in pain, your body's recovering, everything hurts, so you're not going to have the energy to go do things. So I think something that, you know, people don't understand about a professional athlete is the sacrifice that it takes during season. What kind of uh, – uh, most athletes are very superstitious. What kind of pregame rituals do you do you abide by is in general? You know, this is, is – that's an awesome question. I used to be super superstitious. I used to have to do things – a certain way every single time and uh and this year and maybe some of the past year I just kind of said I'm putting too much thought into something that has nothing to do with the game you know has nothing to do with the game and I'd rather save that energy for the game so we'll see if uh, if I'm not having a good year then I might have to start those things back again <laughs> well tell us a little bit about Enzo off the field you know we you've got the wife and daughter um you're also a, co a youth soccer coach with Discoveries this year? Not this year, but I was in the past. Okay. So what else do you do off the field to keep yourself busy and, you know, out of trouble? Yeah, out of trouble. I'm not sure if I accomplished that one yet. But, <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a type of guy that I like to be in big groups. I love to be with my friends. I love to be surrounded by people that I like. I like to have conversations and, and always competing in something, you know, uh, whether it's cornhole, whether it's FIFA, anything that kind of keeps my my 
mind sharp and always uh, that drive to want to be better at anything. And that's kind of how I try to fill my days and anything I can. So just going back really quick to uh, Colorado, the, the partnership between Independence and Colorado is no longer. Uh, but I was always curious to know what was it like in Colorado, how they viewed that that partnership with, with Indy. Was it just a, a minor league team and nobody paid attention to it? Was there actually focus on the players uh, from a distance? Just do you have any insight of how that whole operation worked on their end? Yeah, obviously when I went there, it was a new coach, so he didn't know about the independence a lot, I'm sure. Uh, but it was, you know, I think they had a big respect for the club and what they've done because you look at a player like Sammy. Um, when he came back, he was playing a lot. Uh, you look at an, exa- an example uh, as me going there just for preseason and end up signing and, and playing with them. So I think it was beneficial for both groups. Uh Obviously, I think the switch was having had more to do with the fact that they wanted to have their players closer to them mm-hmm. than anything else that had to do with Charlotte. Okay. Jason, any final questions? Uh, yeah, we had one listener question about your MLS days, and you know what, what kind of the uh, the bigger takeaways that you had from that experience with Colorado last season. Yeah, I think the one thing that I absolutely love is the speed of play of the game in the MLS. Uh, it's a game that is played at a really fast play, uh, pace, and you have to be on your toes the whole time. And little mistakes can lead to to big mistakes. You lose the ball in a bad spot, and you have really good players that will punish you for that. And uh, those 90 minutes, you have to be ultra-focused. You have to be in tune with everything that's going around, and I, and I love being in that mentality. And, you know, kind of bringing it back to the Charlotte area, there's obviously been a lot of chatter with David Tepper um, potentially bringing MLS here. And then there's a new um, professional group in the NISA League that are going to start up this fall. Does any of that register with you at all? Do you do you care about that kind of thing or are you just kind of focused on your own, you know, playing with the independents? Yeah, I'm focused on my own and playing with the independents and trying to help their organization to reach that same goal that so many other people and so many other organizations are trying. But, I mean, I also like the fact that there's interest, you know, interest from different people, interest from uh, different owners. Uh, My biggest thing would be is there's all the right things here in Charlotte to be able to use the youth um, system here is huge. You have so many players that play. You have a beautiful city with young population, you have the space, you have everything, you have all the right things. What I wish is that we could all come together uh, in this and make it happen because that's that's what it will take is for everyone to come together uh, as one and make it happen because sometimes we're trying to make things happen all in different, on our own in different situations, but if we all come together, there's no reason why this great city wouldn't have an MLS soon. I can't think of a better way to end it than that right there. So uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Second Yellow Soccer Show. Uh, you can find the podcast at ESPNCharlotte.net, iTunes, really anywhere that you get your podcast. Feel free to follow the show on Twitter at Second Yellow Show. That's the number two ND Yellow Show. Let us know what you think. And for Jason and myself, Enzo, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you all for listening. And remember, no matter who you support, let's all work together to grow the game.